You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash Enterprise Data to learn more. Now on Bloomberg 99.1. With divided government, what are the political realities? The president is increasingly frustrated. I want to try to cut through the noise. Politically, this is devastating. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. It is no secret that I care a lot about the consumers. There are real questions about big tech. We still have more leverage to use with the tariffs. I think we could do with a little less drama from the White House. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99. They've got a deal, folks. President Trump says he is going to sign that bipartisan budget agreement after all, but with a major but, a caveat, he is still going to declare a national emergency. That has been sending shockwaves all throughout Capitol Hill throughout the day, uh, and we're going to get into the specifics of it, plus major major market moving implications not just on u.s china trade policy but on amazon they're announcing that they are pulling out of their headquarter proposal in new york congresswoman carolyn maloney a democrat from new york she calls in later on in the program with me for the hour miranda green congressional reporter at the hill newspaper and later on jay timmons president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers. We're going to dive in to all of that. Plus, Miranda's going to give us an update on AOC and how the new Green Deal is going. But first, crazy day up on Capitol Hill. And in fact, coming down to the wire, really, still sending shockwaves uh, throughout the halls of Congress. Uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi just having a press conference. We're going to dive into all of the specifics. My panel uh, for the first half of the show. Miranda Green, she's with us for the hour, congressional reporter at The Hill, as well as Jay Timmons, president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers. So President Trump now set to sign this budget agreement that only allocates $1.37 billion to construct 55 miles of wall or fencing, call it what you want, along the U.S.-Mexico border, 55 miles and a 2,000-plus mile border. Now, the president says he's going to get on board with this, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, right before the Senate voted on this, said that President Trump still fully intends to declare a national emergency. What does that mean? If you're outside of Washington, if you're in your car driving home from work, it means no government shutdown. It means a little bit more stability as we head in to the end of the month when... 
Well, that March 1st deadline on trade is coming up. The president, as we know, has said that he might consider kicking the can down the road a little bit before deciding whether or not to raise tariffs. But also, the government, there's not going to be a shutdown. Miranda Green, right? No shutdown. No shutdown. That's the news. But? Well, we're still waiting on the House to vote, so there is still that one final peg, and obviously the president has to sign the bill. But that, and he said he will. And he said he yeah. will. And so that is the – at least we are no longer waiting on bated breath because it was kind of a, a dicey situation on the cap, in Capitol well, Hill earlier a, today. A dicey situation. So let's, act, let's ask the, the politics question. If you're President Trump, you can say, well, I got some money for the wall. I'm going to declare a national emergency so the base can be happy and there's no shutdown. If you're Speaker Pelosi, you can say, see that? I didn't give him the $5.6 billion that he wanted. So who wins? Who loses? I think it's a mixture of both. I mean, I think the Democrats additionally are also just looking to the fact that if he does declare this uh, you know, na- national emergency and get for the funding, they can start suing. And I think that they're hoping that that's going to be a win for them also because that's just going to tie up all of this in legal battles, the court lawsuits that can go down for years potentially. There's a lot of lawyers in Washington, so it looks like we're going to be talking about the wall for quite some time. I think it will be a topic du jour for a while in, in Washington. Do you think – Though that 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 Speaker Pelosi might emerge, like how does Speaker Pelosi emerge from this? I think she emerges as a person who did not give much. I, obviously, she stood steadfast under the shutdown during all of those meetings during those 35 days. She refused to give a penny to the border wall. Obviously, now we're seeing a little bit more. They are giving you know 1.3 billion, but it's still not the same amount of money that the president was calling for and demanding. So I think to Democrats, she looks as someone who's emerging from this, you know, as a winner. And the president is looking as someone who didn't get his way. It obviously yeah. will remain to see what happens in the next step when he declares this, you know, emergency, if he does that, or if he decides to use executive power and find money elsewhere, which is something he's... There's a lot of money. Around. I mean, listen, I mean, lawmakers in Washington always seem to find money somewhere. So, I mean... He could look – someone put it to me yesterday. He's going to be looking under the couch. But take a listen, though. I want to play what Speaker Pelosi uh, said at her press conference today about the back and forth. Take a listen to Speaker Pelosi. Here he said, let us respect what the committee will do, and then he walks away from it. Well, is he, is he walking away from it? I mean, he is accepting it. He's just also going to be declaring a national emergency. Yes, and it's in his best interest here. I mean, as, as a couple of reporters have also pointed out, that this could also ultimately yield him more money than if he did one or the other. Uh, if he ends up doing this emergency funding, he could be finding more money than he ever could have gone through Congress if he continued to push for it. So, you know, I think a lot of people who've been talking to him and saying, take the deal, sign the bill, have been in his ear about maybe there's a better option out there for you that we can all be winners in the long run. I feel like he's just, I mean, he's got it. He's somehow, I mean, if you're President Trump from his perspective, he's got to get this wall. We're also following, of course, the latest developments on the U.S.-China trade policy. Uh, President Trump uh, has dispatched Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin as well as U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer. They're in Beijing right now uh, meeting with Chinese counterparts, in, including Chinese Vice Premier Liu Hua, as they get ever closer to this March 1st deadline of when the president has said he will raise tariffs on $267 billion worth of goods. Now, this week, the president said he might consider 
not raising those tariffs on March 1st and, and delaying that a little bit. Jay Timmons is president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers. And Jay, we have a lot to talk about, and I want to get into a host of different policy implications, but uh, on different fronts. And coming up later, we'll, we'll talk about that. But in terms of U.S.-China trade policy right now, what do you have your eye on as, as Secretary Mnuchin and, and Ambassador Lighthizer are over there? Well, we have our eye on a some sort of a deal, actually. Uh, you know, the, the, there's a lot of uh, consternation with manufacturers, with businesses of all kinds in the United States about kind of the path forward on China. Um, it, it would be easy to say, hey, we don't want to see tariffs. We don't want to see any of these, uh, these actions that are being taken. But at the same time, frankly, the business community has been talking, we've all been talking for the last quarter of a century about the abuses of, of the Chinese system on, on manufacturers here in America. So we're very hopeful. We, we actually, um, guys, about 18 months ago, uh, we called on the president to, to get into some serious negotiations with the Chinese and come up with a rules-based trade agreement that would be enforceable and that would eliminate theft of intellectual property, that would um, eliminate counterfeiting, that would eliminate the need for, for, for localization of investment. Um, and it looks like the, the White House is really taking all of those issues quite seriously, and they're really working for a solution. And that's what we want to see. We want to see a deal. There were conflicting reports today early in the morning uh, that uh, from various uh, news agencies, including Bloomberg, that uh, the U.S. and China were closer to some type of framework arrangement. Then fast forward to this afternoon where there were different reports that say they still have got their work cut out for them. We've got uh, uh, what do you, where do you think we stand, Jay, in terms of, of where we're at currently on Valentine's Day 2019 <laughs> as we approach March 1st? See if the, they're spreading the love over our neighbor <laughs> right now. Look, I, 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 I have to believe that we're still a ways apart. Yes. Um, the president will decide if we've come far enough uh, to, uh, to, to ensure that we're not going to get an imposition of additional tariffs on March the 1st. We hope that there's been that kind of progress. We don't want to see those tariffs. Tariffs are never good. Trade wars are never good uh, for the economy, for consumers, and certainly for manufacturers. So our hope is that it's moving forward. And, and I, I don't expect a deal you know, within the next 24 hours, but I do expect that there will be some deal that's cut sometime this year, and we'll see some progress. All right. Coming up, we talk more trade policy, more shutdown, and that major market-moving implication of Amazon saying that they are no longer going to open a portion of their headquarters in New York. And Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, Democrat from New York, uh, will call us uh, later on in the program. Panel stays. Jay Timmons, president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers the manufacturers group here in Washington, D.C. And, of course, Miranda Green, congressional reporter at the Hill newspaper, who's always out scooping me these days. Uh, remember, you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com. Download the Bloomberg Business app, folks. You will not regret doing that. It's the one app I have to have. And you can also check us out on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. Happy Valentine's Day, folks. Stay with us. I'm Kevin Cirilli. This is Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Welcome back, folks. Happy Valentine's Day. Remember, if you have not bought flowers or called your mother, do so. It's Valentine's Day. This is your warning. We have, we're have we following multiple fronts, multiple stories today, uh, including, of course, the president's decision to get on board with that bipartisan deal presented to him that doesn't allow him to get 
the $5.6 billion that he was asking for to build the wall. But he says he's going to get on board with this bipartisan deal, $1.37 billion in there for 55 miles of wall down the U.S.-Mexico border. But he is still going to declare a national emergency, which likely will set up a legal battle in the courts. Democrats don't want that. Republicans are a bit uneasy about what all of that will mean. But no shutdown. No shutdown. The president's set to sign this bipartisan deal no shutdown. That's the big story we're following today. Meanwhile, coming up later on in the program, we're also following another major market-moving story, which is that Amazon is no longer going to be building their half of their headquarters in New York. So does that mean more positive news for Northern Virginia? We'll get into that, and we'll get Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, a Democrat from New York's perspective on that. Uh, with me for the hour, Miranda Green, congressional reporter at The Hill Newspaper, uh, and here to talk trade as well as all of the other economic news of the day, Jay Timmons, president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers. And Jay, you, thanks for being here, first great, of all. Great to be here. And, and you were just named on uh, this new workforce advisory board that Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross and Ivanka Trump are introducing, and you're going to be on that board with uh, Tim Cook. Uh, Lockheed Martin, Walmart, uh, and and some some pretty big, big names. <laughs> What's that going to be like? <laughs> well, I think it's going to be uh, like a lot of people saying, "Hey, we've got a real workforce problem right now." <laughs> we've got, you know, we've got seven million open jobs in the economy. Manufacturers have almost a half million ourselves, and uh, we have done some studies. Deloitte and the Manufacturing Institute has really studied the issue very closely. And we will have two and a half million openings in the next 10 years if wait, we wait, can't wait. find people with the right skills. Two and a half yeah. million In, job by the way, openings. the most productive part of the economy, manufacturing. Wow. That's so what, what, what is the biggest economy. thing that you identify that needs to be changed? Because I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear 2.5 million job openings unless this workforce development problem is – is addressed. You know, we all talk about it. We hear Democrats and Republicans talking about it. You hear all levels of elected officials from the federal government to states to localities. It's all about education. And for manufacturers, it's all about technical skills and training, STEM programs, uh, really aligning our curriculum to the workforce needs of the future. We're not doing that. Unfortunately, we're sending a lot of folks to college, which is, is it's fine and, and, and great. Uh, but quite frankly, not everybody needs to have that, that skill set. What they need is really hands-on experience at a technical school or a community college uh, to get some training for, for these jobs of the future. I think this is so interesting, too, when you put it in, in the broader global context of when we talk about trade policy. Because literally right now, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, they're negotiating with the Chinese. And in fact, earlier today at the White House, we had these competing sort of narratives. And Miranda, I bumped into you on Capitol Hill today while literally Larry Kudlow was speaking at the White House about the trade agreement. And I was like running to try to listen. So sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to play for you what uh, Larry Kudlow uh, said about China and the negotiations and how that's all going. Because I think it really sets the scene for where we at, where we are at in terms of this midpoint and what the broader end goal is. Take a listen to Larry Kudlow. I talked to the group. They're covering all the ground. They're hard at it. They are going to meet with, uh, with President Xi, so that's a very good sign. And they're just soldiering on. So, you know, I like that story, and I will stay with the phrase, the vibe is good. 
The vibe is good, Jay Timmons. The vibe is good. I feel like, wow, I've never heard Larry. I've heard Larry Kudlow say a lot. Take I have, a yeah. from Twitter or Instagram or something. He's coming out of his shell. Okay, right? <laughs> um, but Larry Kudlow live. <laughs> but Jay Timmons, president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers. As you hear that, we in the media, as you know, are like hyper-focused on whether or not President Trump and President Xi are, are ever going to meet, uh, ahead, or meet again, rather, and talk trade to hammer out some type of deal. Do you view the development that the, the crew, uh, the team, dispatched over there meeting with President Xi directly as a positive? Sure. Well, timing is everything, right, yeah. Kevin? I mean, what we're hearing and what we're seeing is the Chinese economy is slowing, so they don't necessarily want to see any disruptions to their economy. And, and you know, the opposite of that is true for the United States. We're, we're sizzling right now. And a lot of that is because of manufacturing, manufacturing output, and the increase of, um, of uh, you know, the, the workforce or the job opportunities in manufacturing. So we really do think that now is the time to cut a deal to make sure that the intellectual property of manufacturers is protected and that we do not have all the abuses that we've seen coming out of China over the last 25 years. So timing is perfect. The thing about NAM or the National Association of Manufacturers is you guys actually travel like every year, right? Or just about every year, and you go on your, your tour, your annual state of man- state of manufacturing tour. So you hit right. the road. Yeah, it's our road show, and and it's it's really to make sure that uh, folks know about all the great opportunities in manufacturing, and make sure young people know what opportunities exist for their future. I'm looking at this schedule. They're going to be in they're going to be in Colorado. Uh, really like all over the country, Colorado, Texas, Iowa, North Carolina, Minnesota, California, Ohio, and Arizona. Pack your bags, Jay, because <laughs> you, you have a lot of places to be. Coming I up, actually have been. <laughs> coming up, we talk uh, much more uh, with Jay Timmons about what else is on their agenda, including immigration. Uh, Miranda Green helps us navigate all of the various developments. Amazon, folks, major market-moving story today. And remember, you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or get the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Welcome back, folks. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On. Uh, panel, 
with us for the hour, Miranda Green, congressional reporter for The Hill newspaper, Jay Timmons, president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers. We're going to talk much more about Amazon's decision to pull out of New York coming up. Uh, Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, a Democrat from New York, is going to be calling us uh, later on. We were talking earlier about the big Washington story today, which is that President Trump has decided to avert another partial government shutdown by getting on board with this bipartisan deal uh, that has been presented to him that is significantly lower than the amount of money he wanted for the wall. It comes total about $1.37 billion. But he still might, he still is rather, he is going to declare a national emergency. We're also, of course, talking about trade uh, and Treasury Secretary Mnuchin over there right now, uh, meeting with Chinese President over there in China, folks. Uh, meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping, uh, negotiating a trade deal. Uh, Jay, you've also got uh, – you're about to go travel the country with manufacturers, but you've also got your eye on immigration, no? Yeah. It, it, frankly, Kevin, I think it's one of those things that we can get accomplished in the next two years. It might seem a little counterintuitive. Really? Because yeah. the wall fight, Jay, was you know, far from over. <laughs> well, it's far from over. But look, our plan, which is called a way forward – really recognizes that if we're going to fix a broken system, we can't just retreat to our separate corners. And that happens way too often in Washington. So we've come up with a plan that we believe is, is, is kind of comes right down the middle, tries to solve the most vexing problems, which border security is clearly one of them. A wall, you know, you, you can think of that as a political football. But the fact of the matter is every, every nation protects their borders. So we're in favor of that. We're also in favor, though, of of reforming legal immigration and aligning visas and and uh, uh, temporary workers with the workforce needs of of uh, businesses here in the United States. Jay, I gotta ask, is that amnesty? <laughs> well, one of our one of our proposals actually is a pathway to legalization for those 11 million folks who are here and not documented. But it's not amnesty, Kevin, because we also call for penalties. For those folks, we, we insist that they come out of the shadows, that they pay a penalty for the privilege of staying here and becoming legal. And frankly, for those who don't, then then we have to deal with deportation. You know, I have to add to that, despite the fact that the focus has been on the wall recently, you know, Republicans have been thinking about what happens next. And I've talked to a couple on the Hill who've talked about the fact that they really are still looking for comprehensive immigration reform going forward, that, that, you know, it's great to secure the border. If they can do that with 55 miles of wall, if they can do that with more under an emergency funding, that's great. But the next step is obviously how to regulate what's happening now, whether that's a deal for dreamers or to get rid of the backlog of people waiting to come yep. legally. Yeah, well, we've got the plan. <laughs> we've got the plan that actually does all of that and uh, does provide a permanent solution for the Dreamers. Um, it also deals with pretty controversial issues. I don't think any any trade association or any business organization in town has done something quite this comprehensive. We actually take on uh, family migration and we say, yes, it makes sense that you will go down with your immediate family. You'll bring your immediate family in. You'll go up and maybe bring in a parent or two, but you can't go over. You can't bring in siblings and their children. You know, that, is a, that has been a really big hang up for any type of immigration reform. And, and if you want more details on that, you can go to nam.org uh, slash a better way to get all of those details on uh, the the uh, immigration plan that you're, that you're talking about. We're going to be talking about immigration, I still feel like, for a very long time. I have to say, Jay, as a Penn State grad, 
you are probably the only Ohio State uh, uh, person, right? Because you 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 have a really interesting story for how you got into all of this. Makes you feel privileged to have a Buckeye in here. Is that what you're saying? Well, I, do you consider yourself a Buckeye? <laughs> I do, even though I. I uh... Uh, you know the story. I dropped out yeah. of college because I, I ran for office. I was a I myself was a dreamer and thought that uh, I could change the world at age 19. Um, and then I decided after that, after I lost that race, probably appropriately so, uh, that I would come to Washington to be a part of the Reagan Revolution. So I've been steeped in public policy ever since. A, po- a true policy wonk. That is a college dropout. That's awesome. You <laughs> and Kanye West. Oh, I didn't even know Kanye was. Yeah. I just I just decided that I'd had enough of uh, classes about weather forecasting and other things that I didn't actually think would ever be part of something I would do in life. And actually, I, I really don't use weather forecasting. All right, Jay. Well, we appreciate you coming in. Come back anytime. Uh, that's Jay Thanks, Kevin. Timmons, president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers. Miranda Stays, congressional reporter at The Hill. And coming up, Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney. She's going to weigh in on the decision for Amazon to get rid of that headquarters in New York. She's a Democrat from New York. And remember, download the Sound On podcast on iTunes at Bloomberg.com or the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. I'm Kevin Cirilli. This is Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Welcome back, team, and happy Valentine's Day. Uh, a, a major market-moving implications today as Amazon decided to drop its expansion plans in the Long Island City neighborhood of Queens, and that plunged local real estate brokers into despair. Uh, it, it also has sparked backlash from uh, various members of Congress and New York City Council members And joining us on the line is Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, a Democrat from New York. Congresswoman, thank you for calling in. I know this issue is important to you. Your response tonight to Amazon's decision. Well, this is not the Valentine that New York needed. Uh, I'm disappointed that uh, New York City won't be the home to over 25,000 minimum minimum new jobs from uh, Amazon uh, that Long Island City will lose. Um, those jobs and will also lose uh, out on infrastructure improvements uh, that would have accompanied this project in transit, new schools. They were making a major, um, uh, you know, commitment to not only building a new school in Long Island City, but uh, providing technology and teaching and, uh, and help to improve New York's schools in the, in the way of, 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 of technology. So in many ways, it was a, a really... Uh, big loss. Uh, and uh, uh, there were parts of the deal to be improved. And I, I agreed with the community on that. Uh, but I wanted to work with Amazon and the community to address their concerns. But now it looks like we've lost that opportunity. Congresswoman, you make such an, a good point in terms of how there were progressive concerns on the issue of that. But I would imagine that many of your constituents also really wanted Amazon, really wanted the opportunity to have. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so uh, what, what, what was the turning point and what was the breaking point or the breakdown point in this process? Well, there's plenty of blame to go around, uh, but we'll have to see how the fallout is and, and uh, uh, proceed and go forward. If there is anything positive in it is that, the Amazon deal shows the desirability of New York City as a location for high tech. They interviewed uh, 
according to press reports, over 200 sites. And Amazon chose the two metro areas, uh, New York City and D.C. We are the areas with the largest existing tech forces and uh, workforces, and, and, but uh, we did not have the biggest incentive packages. So they were looking for talent. When I asked Amazon why they chose uh, Long Island City, they said it was the people. They, they liked the people. They liked the talent. Uh, they liked New York. And uh, it was a, an amazing opportunity, and I was hoping that we, sh we, sh we could have worked out any differences and, and that they, uh, I believe, would have been a tremendous asset to the city. What, Kevin, was very uh, disappointing to me um, is that as a former member of the City Council of New York right. and as a Congress member from New York, I have, I have spent a large portion of my time working with city leaders on ways to diversify our economy. That was our goal. We were far too dependent and still are on uh, financial services and on business services. And it's been a concentrated effort uh, for years of, from the leaders to diversify. It, we had created tech zones. We had tried to get other tech companies here. We had uh, created uh, Cornell Tech, a, a major MIT-type tech school to train the new workers in, in that industry for the future. And I, I believe that, that Amazon would have made New York City the high-tech capital of the East Coast, and it would have uh, been a permanent and growing job source and uh, would have right. diversified and strengthened our economy overall considerably. Congresswoman, and job opportunities for our people. Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, Democrat from New York, uh, reacting tonight to the news that Amazon has decided not to go forward with their plans to build half of their headquarters in Long Island. Congresswoman, you know this. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo today also reacting the way you have, saying that, quote unquote, a small group of politicians put their own narrow political interests above their community uh, and says that, quote, the New York State Senate has done tremendous damage. They should be held accountable for this lost economic opportunity. Amazon chose to come to New York because we are in the capital of the world, or because we are the capital of the world and the best place to do business. So how do you, Congresswoman, factor in that 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 anti-corporate message, you, you see it from your from your colleagues. I know you know this, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. What's your what's your message to those progressives in your party who really spoke out against this? Well, I said if you if you looked at the economics, uh, and I personally I think that the mayor and the governor were heroes. Every really? every city and state in the country was competing for this opportunity. And they we were, yeah. and, and we and we were far from the largest incentive package. It was really the metro areas, the peoples, and 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 really the trust in, in them. But the economic package, uh, uh, they estimated twenty seven point five billion in state and local tax revenue over the next twenty five years, and uh, that was according to local economic development agencies, and and uh, that's. Uh, that would have put us on a firm economic footing, which is very important. The mayor and the governor have come out recently saying we're in tax shortfalls for our, for our state and our, and our city, and, that, and that's troubling. And I think the, the concern of many people, they, they believe that the cost of the incentives promised to Amazon for their Long Island City location was too generous, and they estimated that to be at $3 billion. 
But what was not clear is that you never got that $3 billion. Yeah. It, was an, it was not a pile of money that was sitting there. It was a pile of money that they would have paid in state and local taxes from the people that they employed and, and the business itself. Dive and deeper into that, because I think that Pardon? that right, can you dive deeper into that? Because I think that right there truly was uh, not really clearly explained. So, well, so, what yeah. I, I felt was very disingenuous is that a lot of politicians were saying, hey, this is how I'd spend that $3 billion. I'd build a school. I'd do this. Uh-huh. I'd do that. There was no pot of money there. It was the economic activity from Amazon that created the money. And then what Amazon then got was a tax break. That's what they got, a tax break. They didn't get money. They got a tax break from the taxes they were already paying. Plus, Amazon was promising Long Island City a school and, 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 and uh, improving roughly 30 other schools in, in the city, not just Long Island City, but you know, across the city in the Bronx and Brooklyn and Manhattan where young people want to learn tech, what better way to learn tech than have uh, mentors and people from Amazon help teach it and help support it uh, because they are, the, they are one of the major tech companies in, in our country. And uh, also the whole area in Long Island City needs uh, massive infrastructure improvement. Uh, we, we have been working to get a firehouse. We don't even have a fire engine with hoses in the area. Oh we have God. a ladder company. So one of our things we were pushing for for years is to get a firehouse there. Well, believe me, if Amazon came, we would have gotten our firehouse. There's no question about it. Yeah. And then we are now, as you know, uh, building a major infrastructure pre- project from Long Island uh, all the way into Grand Central, a new subway called the East Side Connector. There's not a stop in Queens now. And, and that's a, that, I think, is a, a scandal. And yeah. uh, I believe partnering with the community and Amazon, we could have gotten that stop in Queens. You would have needed that, uh, not only for quality of life, but also to move workers back and forth. So it's, uh, there was a lot of opportunity in many ways. And as one who represents that area, we have a, an aging infrastructure, particularly in the sewage department. And uh, there were promises to totally rebuild the sewage system. Not for Amazon, but for the whole area. Yeah. So there were a lot of other things that could happen that would have helped the area. Do you think, and we've got, we have a hard out in, in under two minutes, so, but do you think Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, Democrat from New York, joining us on, on the line, reacting to the news that Amazon has pulled out of, uh, uh, of New York, it, wh- where do you go from here? I mean, what, what is the next step? Is, is it completely off the table? Can you go back to the negotiation? I mean, or is it just a lost cause? Well, I, I tried to call the governor and the mayor today to get a reading on what are their negotiations and, and uh, if they feel that we could go back and, and, and make it happen. But, uh, but uh, the, the statements they put out seem to show yeah. that they feel that uh, the game is over. And they right. have a, a lost opportunity, an incredible a lost opportunity that uh, could have employed uh, a major amount of people in our in our area and and uh, been massive improvements and would have solidified we are the economic capital of of uh, our country but it would have solidified that position not only in finance but then in tech yes. and i personally i wish amazon would have stuck it out that we could have reached a deal that would have worked for new york 
I think yeah. we have a great deal to help Amazon, and certainly they had a great deal to help our people, and the differences yeah. could have been worked out. And I apologize and I to interrupt you. To, and as I said, this is not the uh, Valentine that we need. Not the All right, we'll come back tomorrow and talk with us uh, on Bloomberg Television. Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, Democrat from New York, thank you for joining us, reacting to that Amazon news. Also, special thanks to Miranda Green, congressional reporter at The Hill. Much more tomorrow on the shutdown trade. And What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.